0: Welcome to Scores and Fours, the podcast where you learn about wine and classical
1: music, hosted by myself, sommelier Jill Mott, and radio host Emily Reese. It's a crash course episode this time around, so I'm going to do a crash course in meter in music, or time signatures. And I am going to do a crash course on how to
0: taste wine for acid and tannin, like what do they actually mean, how to taste for them, and what acids and tannins
1: are in wine. You can check out Patreon.com/scoresandboars for a playlist and a wine list, and do consider supporting the musicians you hear by buying their music.
0: Hello, Jill Mott. Why? Good day, Emily Reese. How are you today? I'm excited to be technically tasting wine today. We're going to technically get into the nitty-gritty of acid and tannin. How are you? love that. I'm great.
1: Yeah, I look forward to explaining meter, which can be a topic that you can get yourself in trouble with crossing some terms. So I've written very, uh, very specific notes script. for myself, <laughs> yes, just to make sure I don't mince words. It's an easy thing to do, uh, especially when you're really accustomed to talking about meter. It can be simple to use the wrong words, even though you know exactly what you mean. So um, I've written things out so that I don't do that. (laughs) And I have the, it's almost the opposite for acid
0: and tannin. There, There are things in wine that are usually quite subjective or people can get rambly when they talk about fruit notes in wine, like this smells like blueberry and this smells blah blah blah. Yeah. But acid and tannin, those are fixed numbers or things that mm. they can be measured. You know, there's yeah. and a wine is either low tannin or medium tannin or high tannin, mm-hmm. and it comes from a certain place. The same thing with acidity. So it'll be fun to taste through that. It sure will. Where should we start? Um, well, let's just let's drink something. Excellent. That seems to be on par with the last few episodes. (laughs) Uh, Drink first. Yep, let's do it. (laughs) I brought three wines from the same producer, actually, La Distesa. And we may taste through all of them, we may not, but they all reflect various levels and types of acidity and tannin that will talk about why. Excellent. Uh, so why don't we just get started? Do it. So this first wine we're going to taste is called Terre Silvate, Okay, and it's from um, this gentleman. He's making really cool wines that are from the heart of the calf of Italy. Oh, So yeah. we are in the Marque, we're opposite Toscana, we're Eastern, so on the mm-hmm. Adriatic Sea, Right. but I brought it because I think it would be a great way to start showing a white wine, and to talk about acidity. So the main grape in this region, the main white grape, is known as or one of the more esteemed white grapes that actually can be quite banal if you ask me, but in his hands, in Corrado's hands, um, it's great. And so this is a Verdicchio that's trailed off with a little bit of Trebbiano and just a touch of Malvasia, all done in stainless steel and some concrete to retain freshness. So we'll talk about the acid levels. and So the first thing we want to talk about is how to taste for acidity because I think some folks will taste wine and some people say bright, some people say minerally, some people say it's sharp. And I don't know if that means they're talking about acidity or not. Okay. So what acid is is when you taste wine and you let it kind of flow across your palate, when your mouth salivates on the side of your tongue...
1: Mm-hmm. That's how we register acidity, as a la eating a sour patch kid or sure. something. It makes sure. that your mouth water,
0: exactly. From and yeah. if if you were to take taste a sour patch kid, mm-hmm. you'd say, "Wow, this is it." Really makes my mouth salivate a lot. Mm-hmm. That's high acid. Yes. If you have a really ripe, say apple, mm-hmm. it's going to, of course, have acid. Yes. But you might say, "Wow, this has." low acid or mm-hmm. medium acid compared to the Sour Patch Kid. Sure. So it's all a matter of tasting a lot of wine, mm-hmm. having that in your, well, you know, you're, you're comprehending that or you're cognizant of it while you're drinking so you can learn, I don't love super high acid wines or maybe you adore high acid wines. Usually wines with a bountiful amount of acidity are great for fatty foods because mm. it cuts through that richness. Yeah. Gosh, I'm doing a lot of talking. Let's it's slurp. it.
1: Let's slurp. Slurp it.
0: What do you think? Discours and pours. First wine of the day, right? So our register might be a little bit off, but what do you think? It made my jaw clench quite violently. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Acidic. Acidic for sure. Yeah. I would say on a level, to me, this is medium acid. Okay. When I tasted it, because this has been open a couple of days now, Mm -hmm. it was maybe medium plus acidity. Now, these are boring terms, right? When you're going for your sommelier certificate, you have to be able to categorize. Okay. And you and I need to know what each other means by medium plus. Because yep. I could say, this is invigorating acidity. Yeah. Oh, this is lackadaisical <laughs> acidity, and let's yeah. not go there. So, yeah. for the purposes of this podcast, we'll say this is like medium Yeah. Medium acidity, right? It makes our mm-hmm. most salivate, it lingers, but it's not like, I'm not eating a lemon. Right. Okay. Beautiful. Cool. Yeah. Fairly fairly simple. We'll talk more about acid uh, as we taste through the wines, and I'll talk more about types of acid
1: in a moment, but oh. tell me about meter. Okay. So can we just say rhythm? No. Okay. No, we can't say rhythm because rhythm is different. Rhythm is, to- rhythm is totally different. Meter is a visual res- representation to the performer on uh, how the music is divided in measures. So if you're looking at a piece of music, it's okay that you can't read music. But when you look at a piece of music, you see notes, presumably, and there are bars, like little lines, dividing these notes into little organizational units. <laughs> and, into measures, yeah. Yeah, into measures. And that's meter tells you what that means, what, what's happening in each measure with the beat, who gets the beat, how's the beat divided. Okay. And so then when a conductor says, or when a band leader says, a one- a two, a one, two, three, four, you know what's going you know to come. Yep. You know? Or a conductor up there waving their arms, you know what to expect. Okay. So that's what meter does. It helps musicians understand how to perform a piece of music and was a way for composers to organize their music in the way that they would want it to be performed, if that makes sense. They could okay. telegraph information to you by which meter their music is in. So it's not something that is always very easy to hear. You can get tricked a lot. Um, but generally speaking, you're, you're going to make some right calls. Like if you turn on the radio right now to your favorite country station or your favorite pop station or your classic rock station, you're probably going to hear a tune in the meter of 4-4. Four, four. So we'll talk about 4-4 four, four and what that means, and then I want to talk about 6-8. So we're going to talk about two different uh, kinds of meters. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, do we, should we listen to one of them? Yeah, let's go ahead and listen to 4-4. To four, four. So 4-4 four, four is what we would call a simple meter, and that means the beat is divisible by 2. So in 4-4, four, four, 1, 2, 3, 4, each number is going to have a little and in between it to divide it into 2, okay? So instead of 1, 2, 3, 4... One, and two, and three, and four, and one, and two. So that is a very choppy, burp, 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 right? Okay. Divided into two. I'm uh, thinking so,
0: of all my favorite pop songs right now, and I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and just so we're clear, everybody, Lizzo... Some Whitney. <laughs> I mean there's just four four all over
1: the place. Yes, so there's okay. a lot of four four. Okay. So we're gonna listen to a piece by Edvard Grieg that's in four four. It's called Peasant's Song. And one of the reasons I like this example is because you can while you're counting the fours, you can hear those divisions in between as well. So let's uh let's listen to Peasant's Song by Edvard Grieg. One, two, three. and that is then divided you can divide it into 2 One and, each beat. Two and 3 and 4 and 1 and, and 2, and, two and, three and 3 and 4 and
0: okay yep yeah. so that's 4/4 four, four time so is it as common in classical music as it is in top 40 music is it's it like tremendously one of the most common. common
1: it is literally called common time okay okay <laughs> it's it's that common it's tremendously common and musicologists, ethnomusicologists in particular, would likely tell you that the reason those kinds of beats are so common in uh, humanity is because we have two feet. Oh. So you're walking in two all the time. You're walking in divisions of two.
0: Yeah. You know? fascinating so marches
1: are always in two, four, one, two, one, two, left right left right bam 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 1, two, one two. yeah President's president so. today, too so whatever by the way <laughs> btw <laughs> <Hardy forever. laughs> happy birthday george washington
0: talk more about acid, um, I wanted—just because it's, it's an interesting topic, and it it can get complex, but I'm going to make it pretty easy just because acid we, we talked about, it makes your mouth salvate on the mm-hmm. sides of, of your tongue, right? Yes. Um, but acids can be, for the most part, separated into acids that inherently reside in grapes mm-hmm. and acids that are in wine after grapes are fermented. Oh. So, for example, there are three— main types of acid in grapes. Okay. One is in the grape itself. In yep. the grape okay. itself on the vine. One is called tartaric acid. And what's interesting about this is the reason we know that, you know, wine existed 8,000 years ago mm-hmm. is because when they examined those clay vessels and they found... Grape residue, oh. they were able to measure that because of the high tartaric acid oh. levels in them. Um, it's the highest concentration of all wine acids. so that's that's really cool. It also helps with because it's so high, meaning um you know, all the other acids are kind of s- secondary, if you will. It's what is responsible f- with other factors as well for stabilizing color and stabilizing. You know, a wine's health is because it has a level of acidity. It's a preservative, right? Think of like you're making a—you um, sprinkle lemon over your avocado so it doesn't brown and then fridge. You know, there are so yeah. many things lemon preserve. So that's one type of acid. A second type of acid is called malic acid. Okay. Malic gets its name from the Roman term apple. And so, when we're talking about malic acid, we talk about oh, it's kind of this green apple like acidity. Hmm. So, everybody's probably had a green apple. Yes. Um, It's really refreshing. How it differs in tartaric acid, we won't go there and how it tastes because that's almost split in hairs at this point. But malic acid is present in a lot of other fruits and berries. Okay. And malic acid, if a winemaker is either inducing a bacteria, or it naturally occurs in their cellar. That malic acid can be converted to something else, and we'll talk about that later. So it's it's a sharp acid, malic okay. acid. So sometimes it's helpful for that to to be converted into something else. Yeah. And the last one we'll talk about is citric acid. I won't talk about it too much, but sometimes it's it's added to wines to like if if the hmm. wine is too low in acid, sometimes citric acid is added to make the wine more okay. acidic. Not and, in a natural wine. That
1: would be cheating. You're so right. Yes. (laughs)
0: Thank you for that hashtag pitch, hashtag natural wine, hashtag all day. So those are three types of acids that are inherent in grapes. Okay. With that, I'll pour you some wine. We'll talk about malic acid converting to lactic acid because that's what's going to happen here. The next three acids that I'm going to talk about are acids that are inherent in Wine, and so here we're tasting um, the distesa. This is the Gli Eremi, which is a single vineyard plot that he's doing of Verdicchio, and this is done in some older oak. So you'll be able to tell the acid is definitely present, okay. But it feels different than the other than the other wine we had, okay. So. I was going to talk about three, but I'm actually just going to scratch one of them because talking about sicinic acid and how it makes wine taste winy is just confusing and going to be hard to talk about. So I'm going to talk about lactic acid. Okay. So when you put this on the palate, he doesn't do any temperature control. Okay. And he doesn't do any inhibiting of... It's a bacteria that will convert malic acid into lactic acid. So, green apple acid into like a milky or a yogurty yeah. type of acid. Yeah. And it's a bacteria, not a yeast, which is why I don't call it malolactic fermentation. You call it a conversion. I do call it a conversion because you know what? It is one. <laughs> so, give it a taste and tell me what you think on the sides of the tongue. It smells like chalk.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You notice mm-hmm. how it's slightly milkier?
1: Yeah, way lower acid.
0: Yeah, definitely. And the acid hits in a way that's more like... Like honestly, like yogurt, like a Greek yogurt, as opposed to like mm-hmm. a really green apple. Yeah. Now, if you um, if you go back and you taste, I don't know, just swing this from the bottle. Emily <laughs> Reese, you're a professional. If you yeah. go back to the first wine, because we're just tasting for acid, we're not tasting for aroma at this point. Like, oh man, isn't that way mm. more searing? Yeah. And granted, this has probably experienced a little bit of malolactic as well. Okay. But just tasting them, yeah, probably not as much. Yeah. This is a year older. So instead of a 2018, the first wine, 2017, that has mellowed a little bit, that acid. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, The mm -hmm. last acid I want to talk about is called acetic acid. And acetic acid, if anybody listened, of course you all listened, who am I kidding, (laughs) uh, about our faults and faulty episode, we talk about volatile acidity. And acetic acid is what kind of smells kind of vinegary. It's a volatile acid. And it's present in all wines, but especially natural wines. But um, when oxygen comes into contact with acetobacter, you will, it'll convert ethanol into acetic acid, and then we'll have like what's called acidification, and we'll have a wine that will start to smell like and turn to vinegar. Okay. So that process. Okay. Acetic acid is, is on your way to vinegar, basically, and of which this doesn't have high levels of acetic acid. It Mm-mm. has very small amounts because mm-hmm. wine is always turning to vinegar. I mean, it should yeah. be if it's a natural wine. It should be on its way to vinegar. So, I don't know. What do you think about this, Gli Eremi?
1: It's okay. It's not my favorite wine. It's a little too buttery for me. Yeah, it's gotten. Got it's old not oak. enough acidic. I like. I like my wines a little more acidic, but mm-hmm. it's okay. It's just, it's just not my favorite. That's all. I hear that. I would want
0: this with food. I think this Mm -hmm. with like roasted quail, roasted chicken, some, you know, roasted white meat would be really nice. If Thanksgiving, this would be a fun like Thanksgiving wine. Mm -hmm. But it needs needs an accompaniment. Plus, it's pretty serious verdicchio. I mean, Mm -hmm. verdicchio is a grape that, I don't know, a lot of people could say it kind of tastes like a nutty Pinot Grigio kind of thing. But in the right hands, these are a lot of these are calcareous clay soils. It Can be really something special. And so this is a wine that, if I did, if I drink it very quickly, I, I don't really think about how complex it actually is. Yeah. Um, and so this would be a wine that I would like to have, like while I'm reading a book. And every time I need to take a break from the book, I I go to something that will get my mind off that for a quick second. You know. Yeah. Which is really fun.
1: Nice.
0: Meter. Meter. Let's go elsewhere with some meter.
1: Let's go elsewhere with some meter. We're going to talk about 6 8 right now. And 6 8 is what's called a compound duple meter. Whoa. I know. Those are fancy terms. Compound, compound duple. Compound means the beat. So earlier when we were in four four and we were going one two three four one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and very right a compound meter the beat is not divisible by two it's divisible by three so instead of where okay something mm-hmm. like that. In six eight, we're uh, dividing that measure of music that we talked about earlier into six eighth notes, mm. and if we divide that into two beats, each beat is three eighth notes. Okay, just a little bit of math there. No quick math, people. Yeah, sorry. So don't be
0: drinking while you're trying to yeah. do talk meter. <laughs>
1: Unless you're Emily Reese. Six eight. So in four four, we heard one and two and three and four and you're not going to hear any ands in six eight. Okay. You're going to hear me count out six eighth notes per measure. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four. And the snapping you're hearing is what the conductor is conducting.
0: Yeah, it doesn't, I can't go one and two and three and four and five and six and one and two and it doesn't work that it way. It doesn't.
1: So, so <laughs> that's a little 6-8. So we're going to hear some 6-8 and this is oh, such a good, good, good example. It's so great. This comes to us from Beethoven's Sixth Symphony. Beethoven's Sixth Symphony is known as his pastoral symphony. And people, like nobody ever says Beethoven's Sixth is their favorite. And I mean, I wouldn't even say that, but I love it so much. (laughs) It's so, so good. Do you know why you love it? Yes. Because it
0: says because it's in a compound duple yeah.
1: meter. Yeah. <laughs> well, why. one of the movements is, there's another movement that's in a qua- uh, compound quadruple meter, which is pretty great.
0: Can something be a quadruple duple?
1: Well, it would have <laughs> to be, you you'd have to have either the word simple or compound in there. Okay, I'm just trying so, to yeah. screw up everyone yeah. so I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is like me being a dink over here. Okay. Sorry. So, let's listen to the fifth movement of Beethoven's 6th Symphony. It's called Shepherd's Song, Joyous Thanksgiving After the Storm. So, this is the final movement of Beethoven's Pastoral Symphony. The movement that happens right before it is a big thunderstorm, which is cool. So, oh, I could say so much about the symphony, but let's listen to some 6 8. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three. Two, three, four, five, six. Do you hear the rocking feel to it? It's just like you just want to be rocked to sleep almost. Mm-hmm. Six, eight.
0: We talked about water isn't water in like the motion of water supposedly like this too where it's like one two three one two three or yep. one two three four five six
1: yes and I pay
0: attention in class everyone
1: <laughs> yeah and uh and a moment ago when I said that one of the movements in this symphony is in compound quadruple meter so again compound means that same thing the beat is divisible by three the movement in this symphony that's in compound quadruple meter is the scene by the brook. Oh. So, uh, and, and we might as well listen to it because I'm talking about it. Yeah. So I can, so you heard how 6-8 is has the six one, eighth two, notes per three, measure. Four, five So six. just keep counting to 12 before you oh. start over and that's 12-8. Oh,
0: okay. Well, let's listen so, to that.
1: So this is, yeah. So it's fun to hear this water movement, this next one, this water movement. 6 seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, one, 2, one, two, two four, four. Right? mhm so, in this situation, the conductor is conducting in four. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, one two, three, four, two,
0: five, six, seven, three, eight, nine, four, ten. But, he's, but it one, looks like he or she is two, doing
1: it. Let's just be honest with you. It looks like five, four, four, how he's doing how it with his hands, but. Yeah. But it's divided into these threes. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So, um, yeah, so here's the final movement, which is in six, eight. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 1. Okay. And then here's the twelve eight. One, two, three, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. 10, 11, 12. It
0: does make more sense in the phrasing. Yeah. Like when you put it that way, yep. that makes sense.
1: Yep. Because
0: I think a lot of people, including myself, I mean, if you were to ask me, honestly, ignorance here, and I and I play music, certain instruments, by reading music, not all of them, but like, I shouldn't say all of them, I don't play all the <laughs> instruments, but <laughs> we know what I, you mean. I, I play, you know, a couple instruments by reading music, and then I play maybe five or six by ear, But if someone were to say, like, meter, what are -hmm. you guys talking about? We're going to talk about meter. You mean rhythm? I'd be like, yeah. (laughs) So, but that's totally not the case because you're right. It has to do with visualizing and phrasing Mm -hmm. and interpretation, being able to, the musician or the conductor, to be able to accurately reflect and play what the composer wanted to play. Beautifully said. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Mother... Let's talk about tannin. Please, yes. This is a goodie. And so I want... you still have some of this in your glass, right? I do. Okay. So um, I'm going to pour this because this has... um, And and when I say this, I mean the the wine we just tasted, the Gli Eremi, because tannin can come from a few different places. It can come from... In grapes, it comes from the skins and pips and stems. A lot of times stems aren't included, but sometimes they are. Okay. But skins... Certainly, maceration time, how long are your grapes sitting on your on the skins? Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking here that we aren't putting in any agents, any enzymes that are gonna get rid of tannin, right? Like like, yeah, we're we'll nat- natty
1: wine here. This we're, is- we're
0: yeah, mostly natty, and if we're not natty, we say so. So in this case, you know, maceration on the skins, Uh, If it's an orange wine or something, if it's a rosé, it's going to give some tannin. There's such thing called green tannin. And that's when when your tannins are bitter. Like if you haven't fully, like, you know how if you haven't fully gotten up and had your morning routine, had some coffee and some stretching, just, you know, set some personal goals for the day, whatever, you might be a little bit, you might be a little bitter, party of one. I know I am, so. I don't have a morning routine that encompasses any of those things that are relaxing, so. That's right, (laughs) because Emily gets up at like 3 in the morning but um, for her, her DJ routine. But grapes, if they don't fully ripen and they spend any sort of time with the skins, you will get this kind of green quality to them. Yeah, interesting. Um, It can also come from wood, and that's what we'll taste in this instance because we don't have some skin contact. Oh, as in the wood that the wine is sitting in. Exactly. If you chew a piece of bark, tree bark, (laughs) you're going to notice that it kind of dries out. And I should specify, when I talk about tannin, let's taste.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Let's do it. You're going to put this up, kind of give it a little swish up in the, like, outer part of your, like, between the inside of your upper mouth and mm-hmm. the outside of your, um the top part of your teeth. Right? It's just like, between your lips
1: and gums. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> between your lips and gums. I was trying to be
0: all anatomically. Okay. So between your lips and gums on the top, give it a little swish.
1: This is so low tannin.
0: So low. Mm-hmm. And you notice that even if you, oh, and we'll do another exercise, how, how that dries out, we're going to quantify it. Is it low? Is it high? Is it medium? And if oak is new, it's very porous, you might have more oaky tannin than if it's really old
1: barrels. If you So that's one thing to think about. So porous as in putting wine in new barrels wine will absorb into the oak more or more yeah. transfer will happen. Yes, okay. it'll
0: leach out more mm-hmm. tannin mm-hmm. until that barrel is older and it'll leach out less flavor, mm-hmm. less tannin and that will dry out your mouth less and less with time if okay. it were the same wine. Let me pour just a touch more of this in your glass because I want to do a quick little um so what I would like you to do for this cuz what we're going to what we're going to perform here is not normal, but before you do that mm-hmm. You're going to shoot all that, and if you can't, whatever, pour it in your water glass or something. I just poured it a small amount. We're going to plug our nose, and we're going to take a sip of this wine. We are going to then pour some red, or what I consider red, very light red, mm-hmm. into our nose, still with our nose plugged, mm-hmm. so that none of the fruit esters, we can't taste any or smell anything. Yeah. Now we're only tactile. Only feeling. Yes, yeah. exactly. Feel the difference between wood tannin and grape tannin because it's oh. fascinating. And then you can—and grape tannin is usually always more influential in, okay. in, in a tannin profile. So, you ready? So, I'm going to shoot all this? Yeah, or just part of it and then dump it out. But oh. whatever you do, don't unplug your nose. Okay. Because okay. that'll—so, just do that. Give it a little swish in the— Okay. Notice how you said it's very low. So low. And it and it just clicks, but ever so slightly. And now I'm pouring, this is so funny to talk about this, a wine called Meticcio. Now do a little taste. You notice how it's more coarse? It's more prickly coarse. Yeah. And I don't mean prickly acidity-wise. It like it, it dries and your I, Yeah. It dries your mouth out in like a way that is mm-hmm. wood tannins are seemingly a little bit more kind of aggressive and less fruit-oriented. So just think of if you were to go and take a bite off a bark of a tree, honestly, mm-hmm. and then think if you were to go and, like, bite some raspberries. Like, yeah. f- they both dry out the roof or the between the gum line mm-hmm. differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, with tannin, what's great about tannin is it is a preservative, like acidity. Oh. It, it helps the structure of a wine. And how this, so we're, we're tasting right now a wine called Meticio, Which some people call a dark rose, other people call it a light red. Let's be honest, this thing is really pretty dark for a rose.
1: For real, yeah.
0: It does. And the fact that, it, there's Cabernet Sauvignon, there's Montepulciano,
1: mm-hmm.
0: there is Sangiovese, mm-hmm. and then there's also there are a couple of white grapes. Sure, there's Trebbiano and Malvasia. Okay, but if there wa- if there weren't those two varietals, this would be dark, dark. Yeah. So this is I I consider this a very light red. Okay. There's hardly any sulfur added. Uh, Corrado was very sweet to send me the technical specs. Corrado from, is the is the winemaker. winemaker yeah. Tottori. Sent me the specs so I could <laughs> see amazing. like what the lab analysis was of the acid and stuff on on some yeah. wines, which is really cool. Um, but this is this is no skin contact other than the press. Wow. Red wine. Red wine. <laughs> red wine before. <me laughs> um, it's very dark. Yeah, so yeah. super fun wine. I I really adore it. It's the first glu-glue chug, uh-huh. chug, chug, chug 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 wine from the Marque I've ever had, but it really does showcase, I think, the difference because because this has such a brief maceration yeah. time on the skins, beautiful color, but also the tannin levels are so low. But they're fruity; mm-hmm, they're definitely mm-hmm. of a fruit nature, yeah. as opposed to I shouldn't say fruity of a fruit nature, as opposed to of of a oak. Sure, oak, yeah, nature. Does that? Does, am I explaining myself okay? Yes. Oh, it's so good, so good. Mm-hmm. It's been open like three days. It's singing. Mm-hmm. I I would urge people to whenever they taste wine. It's easiest to go from—it's always easiest in life to go from point A to point B, right? From glass to back of throat. Okay. But let's be honest. Between A and B, there's a lot of fun to be had. So (laughs) give it a little swish, just like always a little gum, Mm -hmm. upper gum line on the side of the tongue. And like a world of different tactile functions, as I like to call them, start happening. And that's when you really start to decipher— Will this go well with food? Will this age? You know, what, what grape might this be or grapes or, or whatever? How is this made? Does it have oak? Does it not have oak? Sometimes you can smell oak, but sometimes you can't and you can only feel oak. Wow. Um, so amazing. I will say one quick little tidbit or mm-hmm. misnomer okay. or what have you. Sometimes you have a wine that's really tannic. People go, oh my God, you got to age this like 40 years, you know? <laughs> no. Okay. If a wine doesn't have acidity, it's not going to make the long haul. So oh, you, really? can, you can have a really high tannin wine in a, you know, let's just say a low acidity, but mm-hmm. high tannin. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't have, you can have a really high acid wine with no tannins, age well, mm-hmm. but you can never have a really, in my opinion, a really high tannin wine with low acid and have it age well. That acid is so important as a pH. It's sort of like us having oxygen to breathe. Wow. So uh, for you people out there who buy uh, 17% alcohol California wines that are really high in tannin, don't age them because they'll last about four years and they'll disappoint you. just saying. (laughs) (laughs) And longer maceration times doesn't necessarily mean it's a higher tannin wine Mm -hmm. because... At first, the wine gets really tannic, and then all of a sudden, the tannins dip, and then they come back, and then they dip again. So some people will have wine on the skins for like a year, and those wines wow. are not super tannic. You know, they, So yep. just, um, just a tidbit that
1: long, longer maceration times don't necessarily mean it's like super high in tannin. Should we talk about one fun meter? Please. Yeah. I mean, they're all fun. <laughs> yes, they are all fun. <laughs> we talked about 4-4, four, four, which is also known as common time it is a ridiculously common meter to stumble across in Western music, whether we're talking about jazz, classical, uh, pop music, country music, bluegrass music, 4-4 is ubiquitous. Uh, 6-8, very common compound meter. We talked about that a moment ago. Heard a couple different compound meters, compound duple and compound quadruple. And now we're going to talk about 5-4. So, <laughs> Ooh. uh Yeah. Wait, what? Wait.
0: Taste the red. I'm out. Taste the red Mm -hmm. and taste the the smallest sip and let it sit in your mouth for a second. Swallow it and just watch how high in acid this is and low in tannin, even though it's dark. And it's been open now for three days. I mean, so good.
1: There's still a, a fair amount of tannin in there. Sure, but compared to mm-hmm. other red wines oh, God, we've had on the yeah, show? no, of
0: course. But of course. look at how charged the acid is. It's very acidic. Mm-hmm. Sorry.
1: Love it. 5-4, as you five, were saying. 5-4. This will come as a surprise to no one who's familiar with classical music that we're going to use uh, a piece called Mars by Gustav Holst. It's so easy to hear the division of five in this piece. It's like silly to not use it. Plus, it's a great piece of music. Uh, Gustav Holst wrote The Planets in the 19-teens, a little bit of a reaction to World War One, also a reaction to, uh, he was, speaking of Mercury in retrograde, Holst was really interested in astrology. So Holst uh, loved astrology and he wrote this really great piece of music called The Planets. There's only seven planets in it, just for a fun little background, because Pluto hadn't been uh, discovered yet and then subsequently demoted yet. Uh, and Let's not talk about that. In, in in astrology, when you're talking about astrology, you're talking about how the celestial bodies uh, relate to Earth. And so he didn't write an Earth movement. He wrote about the other oh, planets. Okay? okay. So that's why there's seven. So we get through Neptune. Yep, exactly. Okay. We get through Neptune. Neptune. One of the first fade out endings in classical music, by the way. Ooh, yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, like a live fade out. It's pretty cool. Uh, so the whole piece, of the Planets, is tremendous and wonderful and and well worth talking about. The very first movement being Mars, the bringer of war, and it's in this very aggressive five-four meter. Five, that's how many beats are in the measure and the four indicates that the quarter note gets the beat. So we're hearing five quarter notes in each measure before we start over our counting. So let's listen to a little Mars. So you're listening for the. One, two, three, four. Five. One,
0: I'm trying one, two, to make it in four four 0-ieri. in my head to see if people could get confused. You know, like can they get confused? For sure. But they couldn't if they knew. It, why would you know. why yeah. Would, yeah. would they? Why would he go? Why would that start on a different? Exactly. Yeah. No, I haven't listened to this in a long time. This is great. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so good. So there you go. com so meter. Things. Yeah. Chose not to get too crazy into the explanation... Of it can get really confusing and complicated with meter, especially because it really is kind of the understanding of it is dependent on at least some grasp of how music works. And so, you know, it's a very visual thing. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. When we sat down, Emily told me that we were going to talk about 27 different meters. I'm like, and we're going to talk like, about this one and this one. She's like, no. I was like, not. this seems like a crash course gone doctorate real quick. <laughs> and then um, mine, I, I, try, I was like, you know, I'm I'm just talking about acid and tannin here. Can we just kind of keep it simple? So she did a great job of, of reining in and talking about, obviously, the, <laughs> the three most, imp- probably most important sort of in, in each category. Mm-hmm. Um, and with acid and tannin, it's, it's similar. You know, we could... We could have gone a lot deeper and, and talked about a lot of different um, traits time. of each. But I think another time, acid and tannin are incredibly important to because they, like I said, they're not subjective. You need to be able to accurately, in the wine profession, of course, assess them and, mm-hmm. and their levels. But you also need to be able to, if you are just a, you know, you drink wine... There, it's incredibly helpful to know what you do and don't like in that department because you might say, well, I I don't like oak. Okay, well, do you not like oaky smelling or do you not yeah. like – just you don't like tannin or,
1: you know. Yeah, The thing that is fascinating to me about oak is how much it seems to me to affect the texture too. Like compared just – it's not just the flavor. It's like a completely – Changes how it feels in your mouth, hundred percent too. Yeah, hundred percent. Amazing to learn and experience. And what what's really fun too is the longer you,
0: the more experience you have tasting, say, you know, wines that are aged in different vessels. Oak has different tannin than chestnut. Chestnut has different tannin than acacia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Clay, clays of different porosities and mineral contents, from different. Nations have different tannins. So I was tasting a couple different wines out of Clay Vessel a short while ago, and I was like, wow, this really tastes like, I'm sorry to say, but like whiter clay, like not as iron-rich yeah. because it feels different. And then he, the, the guy was like, oh, my God, you're right. Like, look at the pictures, and he was all excited about my thing, you know, his yeah. his his uh, receptacles. But <laughs> um, concrete gives a certain... Gives a certain tannin, very subtle, but gives that um inox, stainless steel doesn't give it, right? inox, like uh, i that's a short wine term for stainless steel, okay, because you lick stainless steel and it's inert, right? Like it doesn't so that just maintains <laughs> lick stainless steel. oh my gosh, go lick stainless steel people sometime you realize it tastes like nothing. Wow. and so it really just does kind of let your wine be fruity mm-hmm. and.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the pros and cons of the vessels, I love it. Oh, my gosh. They each have their strengths. I mean, welcome. obviously, it's yeah. welcome. love it.
0: Tannins, meter, acid. Mm-hmm. to scores and pores, my friend. to scores
1: mm-hmm. and pores. Thanks for listening to Scores and Pours with Jill Mott and Emily Reese. You can find links and information about this episode at patreon.com/slash scores and and we're also on Instagram at Scores and If you like the show, consider making a financial contribution to
0: myself and Emily Reese. Feel free to write us out a personal check. No, just kidding.
1: Patreon.com/slash scores and Edited by Emily Reese and Jill Mott. Our producer is Sam Keenan. Scores and Pores is a production of June Media
0: Inc.